Hello, welcome to our continuing study of the first epistle of John. We are in chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4. We hope you have your Bible ready. It will be our purpose to read the passage and then seek to understand it and make good application of it in our lives. Have your Bible open, 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to start at verse 12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this, is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment? Because as he is, so also we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Let's go back now and start at the very beginning of this text, 1 John chapter 4, verses 12 through 21. And note this statement, no one has ever seen God. Now, in the dispensation associated with the Old Testament, God made himself known to various ones like Moses and Isaiah but it wasn't like looking at another human being. In that sense, no one has ever seen God. Yet, John affirms if we love one another, according to God's definition of love and all that involves, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. We see here that loving each other is not an option. It is essential. And if my heart is right, I'll be willing and anxious to love others as God has loved me. God abides in those who have such a heart, and his love is completed in us if we love one another. Along with this comes assurance. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. We talked about this before. 
In our relationship with God, all three divine persons are present and involved and abide in us, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all active through the gospel in our daily lives within us as we discharge faithfully the duties of discipleship. Various threads are woven together in the text of 1 John, and one prominent theme is who God is determines how his people should live. There, there is that definitive connection between who God is and how we should live. For example, God is light. We should walk in the light. God is love. We should exhibit that love in our treatment of each other. Now in chapter 4, <coughs> still developing that theme, John talks about the difference between truth and error, the activity of faith in Christ, the love of God that should be seen in our treatment of each other, bringing us to verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God God abides in him and he in God. I want us to see in this verse something we've emphasized, relationship with God, an ongoing relationship with God. No occasional ceremonial or academic dimension in real daily life, in thought, attitude, treatment of people, in worship and evangelism relationship with God. We were made in the image of God, and one implication of that is we were made to have a relationship with God. Plants and animals were made by God, have good purposes, and attest to God's existence and beauty and concept of power. But Genesis says only of man we were made in the image of God. One part of that truth is we were made to have a relationship with God. Now, the problem we have about our relationship with God is we have sinned, and sin takes us away from God. Well, God sent Jesus as an expression of his love, the subject of this passage. God sent Jesus to be the propitiation for our sins. Jesus died so that we can be saved from sin and enter into relationship with God. We've learned all this in the previous verses in 1 John. Well, this verse says, <coughs> we must confess the truth about Jesus Christ in order to enter into relationship with God and stay in that relationship. And the word confess, as used here, takes in more than just a verbal statement, I believe in Jesus Christ. The verbal confession of faith in Christ, that is essential, must be accompanied by the daily life that corresponds to that confession, obedience to him. We know this because of what John has said back in chapter 2, verse 4. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, 
and the truth is not in him. So to leave sin and enter into fellowship with God and stay in that relationship, my words and my life must confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is singular, perfect, divine. He is the singular, unique Son of God who became flesh, dwelt among us, died for us, and was raised from the dead. Our active belief in that truth is essential to be in fellowship with God, and part of that is love for God, love for his truth, love for his son, love for people, love for one another. God abides in us when those things are in place in a good sort of way. These are matters that need our serious personal attention. Verse 16, <clears throat> so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. John is not going through a list of separate subjects. All of this is about our relationship with God and how we should respond to God and live daily. And in this section, we get into motivation and assurance. We have sufficient motivation from God, the God of love, <clears throat> to obey him and live for him. And we do that. And it is accompanied by assurance that we enjoy. The love, <clears throat> I'm sorry, the love God has for us is evidenced by the sending of his son to live and die for us. And that love we know that is of God, we are able to participate in as we obey the gospel and live as Christians. Through my response to God and my continued response to him, I am forgiven by Christ. I'm able to love as God loves. And God abides in me. John gives assurance about all that in these verses. 17 and 18. Verses 17 and 18. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Let's take a moment here for a brief exercise of thought. I want to ask that each one of us engage in some self-examination. I will. I'm asking you to. <clears throat> what emotion do you have when you picture yourself standing before God on the day of judgment? I'm not asking you to tell anyone. Just take a moment for yourself and give that some thought. I know those who read the Bible have this thought. You visualize about it. And you have some emotion about it when you picture yourself 
standing before God on the day of judgment. So fix that thought in your mind about your personal emotions as you think about yourself before God on that day of judgment. All right. Now John says, you can have boldness on the day of judgment, but it's not automatic. It's not random. Those who will have boldness on the day of judgment are those who have been recipients and participants in the love of God, as explained in this passage. You have recognized it. You have responded to his love. You have developed God's love in your attitude. You want to treat others the way God has treated you. Or, as John said in chapter 1, you're walking in the light as God is in the light. Live this way, and you can have boldness in the day of judgment. Love finds its purpose in us and among us, John says, in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. As I learn of God's love and respond to his love as he directs, Love is perfected. Love finds its purpose in me. And as I participate with God in this love, here is the high level of assurance I enjoy. Boldness in the day of judgment. You can see, as I suggested in the introduction, John is writing about things that are all connected. And here is this dimension of assurance that accompanies this response to the God who is love. I learn of God's love in the sacrifice of Christ. I respond actively and become a participant in fellowship with God, walking in the light. And so I have, I will have boldness in the day of judgment. Now look at this statement in the last part of verse 17. Because as he is, so are we in this world. This is about our imitation of the divine pattern. This is like the statement of John back in chapter 2, verse 6, walking just as Christ walked. The pattern is set by deity. In this context, it's about the behavior of love. As we follow that pattern, as we participate in God's provisions in Christ, we have boldness in the day of judgment. Now, I think it should be said this boldness is not like arrogant pride. Look at me. Look at what I've done. This is not boasting before God. This is not really self-confidence in the common sense. This is assurance as we move toward the day of judgment. It's based on the love of God that we've decided to respond to and participate in. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who, uh, he who fears has not been made perfect in love. That's the New King James. <coughs> English Standard Version, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has no has not been perfected in love the assurance john gives to god's people this boldness in the day of judgment 
cast out fear. The boldness of verse 17 rules out or removes the fear that is described and defined in verse 18. In our active participation with God in love, there is such a high level of assurance. Fear is eliminated. I think we ought to take a moment or two here and talk about different kinds of fear. See, fear is one of those words in the Bible where definition in context is critical. In 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1, there is the fear of God that all of us ought to have, reverence. In Ephesians 5.21, reverence for Christ. In Philippians 2.12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. In these passages, fear obviously carries the meaning of respect, respect for God, respect for a spouse in Ephesians 5.21. But consider these passages. 2 Timothy 1.7, God gave us not a spirit of fear. Revelation 2 and verse 10, do not fear what you are about to suffer. In these passages, fear takes on the meaning of being intimidated by men, to be cowardly. All right, back to 1 John 4.18. That's where we are. This fear is the tormenting anticipation of divine judgment. As I walk in love, as Christ loved me, as I respond to the love of God by loving others, this fear of punishment is cast out. The Hebrew writer refers to this kind of fear in Hebrews 10.27, a certain fearful expectation of judgment. You want to get rid of that? Respond to the love of God and walk in love consistently this fearful expectation of judgment is expelled. I want to read now from verse 12 through verse 18, and then we'll move a little further. From 12 through 18, 1 John 4, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we, in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not 
been perfected in love. I'm going to take us to verse 19 now. We love him because he first loved us. In the English Standard Version, we love because he first loved us. If you are a child of God, it is not because you earned that right by your love for God. It is not that you won God over to your side by your good behavior. Before we responded to his love, he loved us. Our love, our active faith and obedience to Christ is a response to God's love. We love him because he first loved us. 20 and 21. If anyone says, <clears throat> I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Well, this repeats what John taught earlier and clearly, and it is a consequence of the principles developed in this passage. You cannot hate your brother and at the same time enjoy fellowship with God. Hating your brother is not compatible with God, who is love. If someone says, I love God, and yet he hates his brother, he is a liar. John has a way of putting things, doesn't he? <clears throat> so that there is no confusion about what he said. John writes so that you agree or disagree, but you do not misunderstand what he's saying. Here, as we come to the end of chapter 4, he says, For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God? whom he has not seen. John set the premise for this earlier back in verse 12. No one has seen God at any time. His point here is, if you don't love your brother who is visible in person, one who can be seen, how can you claim to love God who is unseen? This is an extraordinary argument from the seen to the unseen, from the human to the divine. And here's the matter simply stated again. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must love his brother. Three major takeaways. Our relationship with God cannot be fully understood or pursued without a knowledge of who God is. We cannot serve a God we do not know. One reason to read and study all the Bible is we become acquainted with the God we serve. We get to know our Father better. That knowledge is essential. Love for God and love for people cannot be disconnected. I cannot claim a relationship with God <clears throat> or that I'm obedient to God while engaged in hateful thoughts toward people. Jesus said, 
love your neighbor, love your brother, love your family, love the truth, <clears throat> love for God and love for people <clears throat> cannot be disconnected. Number three, God's faithful can look forward to the day of judgment without terror, but with reverence and hope. Judgment day is serious business. We cannot take it lightly, but as we grow spiritually and serve as daily disciples, the hope is there, the love is there, and the fear is removed. Thank you for being a part of this study. Next time, we'll go further. Uh, that graphic isn't correct, but we'll be here on April the 14th. Thank you.